Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, from the team that brought you the Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Stephanie Everett. And I'm Jennifer Wiggum, and this is episode 435 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, Stephanie interviews Affinity's Baron Henley on his top word tips. Today's show is brought to you by Gavel, Posh Virtual Receptionist, and Clio. We wouldn't be able to do this show without their support, so stay tuned because we're going to tell you more about them later on. So Stephanie, we got something coming up for everybody to join if they want to. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. We're doing or, you know, redoing a workshop that we've done in the past. It's called Beyond the Budget, Why You Need a Financial Projection. Yeah. And so this will be a two-day workshop. It's going to be April 12th and April 19th, 12 p.m. Eastern. It's $149 to register. We'll have the link in the show notes. But we did this for our labsters a couple months ago, and it was, I would say, mind-blowing for the group that joined. Yeah, it really was. If I, you know, it's fair to say, I think that a lot of lawyers, one, either we ignore our finances altogether, or maybe you've gotten started and you've started working with a budget. This is really going to take this whole concept to the next level. We're going to teach you not just how to do a budget, but how to do a financial projection. This is going to give you so much information about your business, about your cash flow, about what your business is worth. I think it's really going to help you think about your business very differently from a financial aspect. And I hope give you that peace of mind, right? Because a lot of where a lot of where our frustration, our fear comes from is just simply not knowing. We don't know. We don't understand. We're not sure what to do with the numbers. So this workshop is going to be action packed with a lot of information. It's really going to help break it all down, simplify it and give you the information you really need to know. And I want to point out the simplify part because I think it can be daunting to hear the words financial projection or numbers or anything involved in that. But this will really simplify it for you. So don't be scared off by these phrases at all. At any level that you're at, this is something that you can join. Yeah, for sure. And the resources that we give you, we give you like step-by-step instructions. So we're going to make it super easy. And I would just love to see you there. I'll I'll be leading the workshop. I love doing this. It's a lot of fun for me and I think for our participants as well. So if you want to join us, make sure you check out the show notes and register. Yeah, we'll see you there. And now here's Stephanie's conversation with Baron. Hi, my name is Baron Henley and I'm one of the founding partners of Affinity Consulting. Hi, Baron. It's so great to have you back on the show. You were on many, many, many years ago with Sam Glover. I don't even know if you remember. Oh, I do, actually. I, I, I don't know if that's still out there, but I get occasional emails about that. People are, will listen to it randomly and then send me an email about whatever I ranted about. Yeah. I think it was Microsoft Word, but I, I don't recall. But yeah, that was a while. It was a while. So we thought it's time to revisit it because for those that don't know, Baron Henley is 
feel like you need like a cool title. Like, are you the grandfather of legal word document knowledge? <laughs> like, right. Like you need like a, a title that befits your knowledge base. We'll work on it. I'll ask chat GPT. Yeah, <laughs> that's, you know, there you go. You should, uh, it'll probably say something rude about me, I suspect, but yeah. Maybe. I guess I have gray hair, so I could be a grandfather of something. Godfather. Although I don't. That sounds cool. I don't have any grandchildren yet. Uh, and, you know, my daughters hopefully will do something about that in the next five years or so. We'll see. Well, here's the thing. You know more about this stuff than most, dare I say. Yeah. The vast, vast majority of people. And I'm so excited you're here to share with us today because what we're going to talk about is probably one of those things that is a fundamental tool that every single lawyer I know uses, and yet most don't know how to use it well. And so it may not, it sounds maybe a little boring, not very sexy, but your whole practice depends on your use of, in most cases, Word. I think at this point, not many people are using WordPerfect, although there's a few hanger-oners. <laughs> there are. I guess I guess G Suite is a possibility too, but a lot of, you know, but I think in the legal profession, most people are in in the uh word office environment, yeah? Yeah, unfortunately, many people started with WordPerfect. That fact is not unfortunate. What's unfortunate is they tried to convert their documents and they did it wrong and as a result, I literally right before we started this, I'm working on a uh, lawyer in New York sent me this estate planning template. It's like this 91-page document comprised of a will and a trust, advanced directors and power of attorney. And within like nine seconds, it was obvious that it had begun its life in WordPerfect because there was all these structural defects with the document, including, you know, rando section breaks sprinkled throughout the document, none of which are required and just make the formatting harder. There were little codes that I know come across from WordPerfect. There was manual tabs across the ruler. There's all this baggage that if you just let Word open up a WordPerfect file, it creates all these structural issues. Like the text is accurate, but the formatting is a total mess. And unless you know what you're doing with Word, it's not very obvious until you try to edit. Yeah. And you're like, what is wrong with this thing? Yeah, yeah. On those things, you just have to start over. I mean, even with Word documents that began in Word, a lot of times they've been used and reused and recycled and for years, sometimes decades. And at this point, by the time I get them, they're so messed up that they can't be salvaged. Like if you think about a Word document as a bucket or a container, the container is so messed up that it can't be fixed. You can't patch it like it's a leaky, rusty bucket and you need to start over, which is normally what we do. We create a new Word document blank, yeah. copied the text from the old thing and pasted it into the new one with no formatting attached. And you have to rebuild it from scratch if you want file stability going forward. Because sometimes people send me files and they're like, I don't have any idea why this is happening or what's going on with this particular page. And the answer is <laughs> it, it's been corrupted. Like yeah. it's just, it needs to be started over with. And people don't like to hear that, but that's what you got to do sometimes. So I think this is maybe an aha moment for some people because we're in these documents, we're in this program all day long, and we all know that there are formatting challenges, but we've somehow along the way, we've just accepted it as a part of our life that this document is not going to do the things we want it to do. 
And here's the good news is Baron's here telling us, yeah, because you guys aren't, you forget like formatting seems like an afterthought. And the reality is if we started with formatting and actually understood it just a tiny bit, these documents would do what we want them to do. And it would save us a lot of time, I think is the bottom line, right? Yeah. The unfortunate reality is that using word does not improve one's skill set over time. Like if you practice anything else in your life, free throws, golf, whatever, you're probably going to get better at it. With Word, because so much of it is buried and the interface doesn't tell you what's happening, like when it, is st- it applies a style to every paragraph, there's nothing in the interface that tells you that. And then furthermore, there's features and functions that lawyers would need to use for which there are no buttons on any ribbon or tab in Word. Many of the things that I use on a daily, you can only get to by right-clicking, going to paragraph, clicking on a tab, and checking a box. It's a, it's a four-click thing. And even though those, I would view those as super important features, they just don't have buttons for them. You just have to know how to get to them and when they're appropriate to use. And unfortunately, you're not likely to stumble upon them by clicking around, which is how people think they can learn software. So I just click around and I'll figure it out. <laughs> No, you're not. Not with Word anyway. And then that creates a misdiagnosis of skill set. Like a lawyer will rely on a support staff person and and assert that, you know, this person knows Word comprehensively because they've been using it for 20 years. When in fact, the duration of exposure doesn't have anything to do with skill set developed. Yeah. And ultimately, they're, they're struggling with it and they're just used to it. They accept the glitches and the, my document seems possessed and word wants to do this other thing that I don't want to do. And I can't get paragraph numbering to work. So I just gave up. They just accept it and instead chisel it out of a stone tablet. And that just means it takes way longer than it should to generate documents. And that's generally a lose-lose proposition for a law office. So you do whole trainings on this and you train firms and the administrative staff on all these things. And if you've never seen Baron in action, you should but he's agreed to come on the show today and give us some of his top tips for constructing and drafting documents and document efficiency. So maybe we should start because you kind of slipped it in there. Styles, I will confess that maybe in the very recent history, I didn't really understand and appreciate styles. And Baron explained them to me and now I'm using them correctly. So what are styles and how? what should we know about them and what can we do to start using them the right way? Well, A style is a formatting definition. So when you create a new Word document, like a blank document, Word already has 247 styles inside the document. And Word watches what you're doing in a creepy way and then applies a style to everything you type. Literally every single paragraph in every Word document ever created in any version of Word. It's a style applied to it. And people don't realize that's happening. So if I create a footnote, it applies a style called footnote text to the footnotes. And if I don't like the way my footnotes look, instead of selecting the footnote and picking a different font size and adding a hard return after it, which a lot of people do, the proper way to approach that is to simply update the style that's controlling that formatting. And then you don't have to select anything. If I have 72 footnotes in a document and I update the style to reduce the point size by two points and add a blank line in between, Literally all 72 footnotes do that instantly the second I click OK. So you're talking about, let's assume 72 footnotes. That could be 20 minutes of teeth grinding work to make them all smaller and add space between them. And then 
the next time you insert a footnote, you're going to have to do it again because you didn't fix the style. If I fix the style, then not only do I fix all the current footnotes, but then when I add more, they already come in with the formatting that I want. But again, like that's such a fundamental aspect of controlling formatting in Word, and the interface does not disclose it. It doesn't tell you that there's a style applied. It doesn't tell you the name of the style. It doesn't tell you how to manipulate the style. And using Word over however long you want to use Word still doesn't reveal that. So that's what people are fighting against. The style, as I like to say, always wins. Yeah. So you can have a style and you can apply manual formatting on top. The style will keep coming through that and switching your formatting to something else that maybe you didn't want. So it seems to me, like listening to you, firms, if I'm at a firm, we should have our set styles that we as a firm agree we want to use. And maybe there's a way then to set up so that everyone in the firm's styles are the same. And then we're all applying the same formatting, just like we have naming conventions where we all agree this is how we're going to name documents. Because the other thing that I'm sure drives people crazy is one partner has wants it this way. And, are, and maybe yeah. so maybe on purpose you have different style setups in your firm, but I'm going to suggest stop doing that. Just everybody get on the same page with your formatting so it can be consistent. Yeah, there's two aspects to that. So if the document's constructed properly with styles... I can literally reformat the whole document in just a few clicks without even selecting any text. So when I have, like, let's say I'm a support staff person and I work for three lawyers and they've agreed to disagree on formatting and they do the same. This is not weirdly uncommon, as I'm sure you're aware. They might be all be estate planning lawyers, for example, and they work in the same firm and yet they don't even use the same forms a lot of times, but they often disagree on formatting. If I'm the support staff person, the document is set up correctly from a styles perspective. It's very, very easy to change font, point size, paragraph alignment, the hierarchy of the paragraph numbering with just a few clicks. But when it comes to that, what your, your point about giving people a common footprint, there's two aspects to it. Number one, there's the blank document footprint, right? So when I go into Word and I open up a blank document, I start typing by default, you get a Calibri, which is a font almost no law office once. It's 11 point, which most people want 12. It adds extra space between the paragraphs by default, which people don't want. And the line spacing is slightly bigger than single. And it's left justified for people that like full justified. They're going to want to switch that. But most people don't create new documents from a blank page. We're usually taking notes, in my experience, on a blank page. So, But at least I can give people a set of tool formatting tools for like maybe a six level deep auto paragraph numbered outline. They can easy. I get asked that question all the time. Why can't I just get word to give me a stupid outline that works? Like, I don't know what it gives me. I hate, I can't figure out how to control it. So you just set that up. But the problem generally in drafting in, in law offices is they don't return to a common starting point when they're drafting new documents. They go back to instead the last one they can think of that they drafted for another client that's similar to what they need. And because you're never returning to a consistent starting point, you end up fixing the same problems over and over again. In addition to the fact that anybody who uses Word over a period of time knows the longer that you recycle old documents, the more digital baggage they accumulate and they become harder and harder to edit because people have copied stuff into them. They they brought in things with, you know, they added a section break that isn't necessary, but it got copied into this. And that's the one that I started with. And that's just going to make your formatting more difficult. So what we try to encourage people to do is stop just recycling the last one you did that's pretty close to the next one you need. And instead, 
create a gold standard template to which you return every time you draft a document of that type. And then you've got something you can work on upgrading, fixing, improving. And when you have this, you know, you we all have drafted some custom provision to deal with a fact pattern that we might see again in the future. And we tend to lose track of those things because I can't remember the client's name. I know I drafted this. I just don't remember where it is. And I tried looking for it for 20 minutes. I finally gave up and redrafted this thing I'm absolutely certain I already drafted previously. I just couldn't locate it. So I end up spending time I shouldn't have to spend. If you have a template to which you return, it's basically like a chest of drawers that you can throw that kind of stuff in. And, and not only is it a place to put that kind of language that you can then revisit later, but they're shareable. And then I have a, an easy means by which I can raise the bar for everybody in my office because we've got this thing that we're making better and better over time. And in particular, in practice areas where it's negotiated, mm. like if it's a settlement agreement, unless you're an amazing negotiator and the other side was horrific, you probably made some compromises. And you know intellectually that that document's been compromised and that there's a bunch of latent defects in it. But unless you have a photographic memory, you're not likely to be able to return it back to neutral because you can't remember all the little compromises you made. We know it's not a good starting point, and yet it's better than a blank page. And if that's if your choice is a compromised document or a blank page, you go to the compromised document. And that's never a good starting point. So if I can negotiate it and then, you know, I'm done with that, I'm going to go back to my starting point. Some people even create templates that are literally completely different based on which side of the table they're on. Like I might be representing the buyer or the seller. And if I get the pleasure of putting out the first draft, I'm going to produce a draft that's completely slanted toward whatever side of the table I'm on. And sometimes those templates are so dissimilar, the only thing that they share in common is the first paragraph in the signature block. Everything else has been slanted against the other side, and we leave it up to opposing counsel to try to figure out all the landmines we left for their client. You know, I'd like to have that as a starting point. And then, you know, I have started this negotiation from a superior position because I got to put out the first draft, and this one is completely customized to what side of the table I'm on. So sometimes you just can't even combine them because they're so different. Right. But sounds like the big takeaways are one, understand styles and and how you're using it. And so you need to set up your styles. And then if you're in a document and you need to make changes to the formatting, don't go up there and just click on the font size. You need to actually go over and pick which style you want to be in is what I'm hearing. Think of your document as like a wall that you're going to paint. And if you select the text and layer formatting on top, you are basically painting over your wallpaper. That paint will get scraped off and you'll see the velvet fuzzy wallpaper behind it. Word literally works like that. So if you are selecting and applying formatting in word vernacular, that's called direct formatting. You build up layers. And then what happens with most documents that I receive when a document's created in Word, and originally, whenever, you know, every document started with a blank page at some point, that user, 25 years ago, when they created the form that I'm using today, that document was given default formatting by that user's computer. And unfortunately, most people are unaware of the fact that documents have default formatting, and they keep selecting and layering on top and layering on top. And one of the common complaints about Word is, I've got this document, I'm doing basic editing, I'm adding text, I'm deleting text, I'm not doing anything else. It's not fancy. But yet, 
the formatting keeps shifting on me and I'm not doing it. I'm not clicking anything, but I'm getting a different font point size. I'm getting a different paragraph alignment. And I'm like, why does it keep shifting? Like this document seems possessed. It's not a possession. No exorcism is required. It's simply that the re default formatting will not leave you alone. It keeps seeping through the direct formatting you've layered on top. And until and unless you get the underlying default in alignment with what you want to see, you'll keep seeing something else. And again, there's nothing about the interface that explains that. That's one of those epiphany things when I'm doing training and we go through actual examples and I'm like, how do you even identify what the default is? There's a very specific method by which you can do that. And then once I select and I reveal the default, if it doesn't agree with what I want, then how do I fix it? Okay, how you identify the default, the fact that there is a default, how you identify what it is and how you update it, there's nothing in Word that explains that. You can use it for 20 years and you're not going to stumble upon those three things. So that's, <laughs> I mean, it's wondrously powerful. It is endlessly irritating. And there's a lot going on behind the curtain that you will not figure out by using it. Therefore, Training becomes very important. You know, we like to say the best bang for your technology dollar is to learn how to use the stuff you already bought. Okay, <laughs> you already have Office. It's time to wrap your arms around it and figure it out. Even if you find the way that it handles things, like people can legitimately object to the idea of styles as being moronic <laughs> and making the word processing task more difficult. But that's what Word does, and there's no way to turn it off. Every paragraph has a style applied to it, and even if you hate that fact, you can't stop it from occurring. Yeah. So learn how to use it, I guess. Is, right. You got to learn. Master your tools. And unfortunately, it. it's not, <laughs> it's very often not mastered at all. And so people struggle with it, and they beat it to death, and they spend way more time drafting documents than they should. And particularly in today's world where so many practices are going to flat fee, you're just exposing yourself to taking an unpleasant bath if you don't in some way figure out how to do that more efficiently. Yep. And it's usually the easiest thing to fix in the law office. Like improving drafting efficiency has the lowest cost and the highest impact, in my professional opinion. I love it. All right. With that, we got to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We get some favorite tips. The Lawyer's Podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting, or schedule an appointment with a client while you're elbow deep in an important case? Well, that's where Posh comes in. Posh is a team of professional, U.S.-based live virtual receptionists who are available 24-7, 365. They answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. With Posh handling your calls, you can devote more time to billable hours and building your law firm. And the convenient Posh app puts you in total control of when your receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is always just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to Lawyerist listeners. Visit posh.com forward slash lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh Live Virtual Receptionist Services. That's posh.com forward slash lawyerist. And by Clio. What do solo and small firm lawyers with great client relationships have in common? They use cloud-based legal practice management software to run their law firms. This is just one finding from Clio's latest legal trends report. There's no getting around it. The fact is, 
When it comes to client expectations, standards are higher than ever before for lawyers. Proof is in the numbers. 88% of lawyers using cloud-based software report good relationships with clients. For firms not in the cloud, barely half can say that. That gap is significant. For more information on how cloud software creates better client relationships, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com trends. That's Clio, spelled C-L-I-O, dot com slash trends. And by Gavel. In the next 10 years, 90% of legal services will be delivered online by lawyers. Gavel, previously called Documate, is the software platform for lawyers to build client-facing legal products. With Gavel, collect client intake, feed that data into robust document automation flows, and collect payments to scale your practice. Companies like Landlord Legal, JustTech, and Hello Divorce are built on Gavel for both internal and client-facing automation. Sign up for a free trial now at gavel.io slash partnership slash lawyerist and get $100 off your subscription. Or you can book a time at gavel.io slash partnership slash lawyerist to get a free consultation on incorporating automation into your practice. Okay, I'm back with Baron. I think we've killed the Styles horse for now, but so hopefully everyone got the message to go learn about them and set them and use them. One of the other big, easy mistakes that you see lawyers make that we can fix when it comes to drafting documents? An easy one would be when I'm trying to hold things together. We call it paragraph glue, but paragraph glue is an umbrella term that covers multiple types of glue. There's a type of glue where I have a heading or a title, and I want to hold it to the next paragraph and not allow a page break to occur in between. And then there's also, I have a paragraph that I do not want to allow a natural page break to occur in the middle of. For example, an acknowledgement, I got county, state, and then before me came Baron Henley, who signed this document as free and voluntary act indeed. I don't want a page break in the middle of that paragraph, right? That's a different kind of glue. I'm holding the lines of the paragraph together. So in most legal documents, that comes up. And unfortunately, the way people solve it is they go enter, enter, enter. Like I want to push this mm-hmm. title down to the top of the next page, or they'll put in a page break, control enter. And then depending on how the document's edited, that page break will come back to haunt you because now it got pushed down to a new page by itself. And I end up with a whole entire blank page in the middle of my document and the page break I needed or the extra hard returns I needed to create the alignment originally now are working against me and I have to go remove them. That is all just wasted time. What you should have done in the first place is glue together the stuff you glue together. Whenever I get a document from a law office and it's got all these page breaks in and I'm like, okay, we need to talk about glue because none of that stuff is necessary. The weird thing is like, if you came from WordPerfect, there's a feature in WordPerfect called block protect. And that would allow you to glue together like a title with a paragraph. And the way you applied it was you selected the title and the paragraph and you went to the format menu and down to keep text together and you chose block protect. It was like a three click deal. So that specifically glued together the title and the paragraph in word you don't apply it like that. It's a little bit different. Instead, you right-click the title, and then you go to paragraph, and you check the box. The feature's called keep with next. But I only apply it to the paragraph, the title that I want to glue to the subsequent paragraph. If I selected both the title and the paragraph, I've over-glued because that will glue the title to the paragraph and then the paragraph to the next paragraph. And if you glue too much stuff together, then you also end up with blank spots in your document because 
it'll automatically shift down to the top of the next page because you glued together like four paragraphs. This happens to people all the time. But the point is, stop hitting enter, enter, enter. Stop hitting page breaks. If it occurs to you, it would be cool if Word can do the thing you're thinking of. For example, glue some stuff together so I don't have to worry about it anymore. Then that's a feature, right? And, and I think people feel like they have to finesse it or they have to figure out how to work around. No, there's features that do all that stuff. There's nothing new in word processing. If you think it would be neat if that tool existed, there's a 99% likelihood it does. Just don't give up on it. But unfortunately, the Google doesn't always help people with this. And I, I talk to lawyers all the time. They're like, I've Googled this over and over and I can't find the answer. And I'm like, oh, you just do blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh my God, are you kidding me? Like we use word differently than everybody else. Law offices require more of the word processor because our documents are more complicated. Other people don't need to know how to do a seven level deep auto paragraph numbered outline. Other professions don't have cross references that automatically update. They don't do tables of contents necessarily. They certainly don't do tables of authority. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things like starting page numbering over, like a standard pleading. I got a title page with no page numbering at all. And then I got a table of contents, table of authorities, and those are typically numbered with Romanets, but it starts at Romanet 1, even though it starts on physically page 2 overall. Then on page 10 or 11 or 12 or wherever the brief starts, I start over again with Arabic 1, not Romanets. And even though it's page 11, I want it 1. Like that's a fundamental, simple thing that a lot of times people don't figure out and they end up... I've had people email me separate, like, here's my title page, separate document. Here's my table of contents, the authority, separate document. Here's my brief, separate document. I'm like, why are these separate? Uh, Word doesn't have the ability to start page numbering over. I'm like, oh. like <laughs> just because they couldn't figure it out, instead of blaming themselves, they blame the software. And, you know, I have low self-esteem, so I always think it's my fault. And maybe that's why I know more about Word, because I'm like, there's got to be a way to do this. It, you know, there's, I'm sure it's me and not the software. And invariably, that was the issue. It was me, <laughs> not the software. Yeah. All right. I'm going to shift gears for a minute here as we start to wrap up, as our time comes to a close. You know, one of our core values is around staying curious, always learning. So I'm just kind of curious... What have you been learning lately? And it can be personal or professional, but what's gotten you excited? Well, I mean, from a technical perspective, I'm always learning new things about document automation because it's basically a programming language. And there's always, I'm constantly presented with new challenges, like how do I get the language to come out correctly under any of 50 different fact pattern combinations? That's actually one of the things I like about document automation is it constantly challenges me. It's a it allows you to be creative. There's usually multiple ways to do a particular thing and you're trying to figure out the best way so that it makes the most sense to the user. So from a tech perspective, it's just the constant learning environment of document automation. From a personal perspective, my wife and I switched to a plant-based lifestyle about eight months ago and I spend quite a bit of time trying to find satisfying recipes, because I'm the cook in the family, that are plant-based, but which are delicious and filling and good, you know, and that is a, an intellectual challenge. And I'm using all kinds of weird new ingredients that I've never, I never even purchased before in my entire life, in spite of the fact that I cooked every meal that's been eaten in our house for 32 years of marriage. So that's been kind of an interesting experiment with trying to figure out 
how do you make a cheese sauce when you can't use cheese? Well, I got a pretty good recipe for that. And it's pretty darn convincing. I suspect you'd have a hard time telling it wasn't cheese if you tasted it, that kind of thing. I love that. I'm super intrigued by this journey that you've been on because I've kind of followed slightly along with your food journey. And I'm not there yet. I've dipped my toe in. I'm ready to learn more. And we're trying to shift away so that not every meal is meat-based in our house. So I'm excited to pick your brain. And maybe we'll post your favorite recipe or ingredient in the show notes. I'll give everyone something to look forward to. Well, you look at my Pinterest. I oh. post my favorite recipes on Pinterest. I've been posting recipes to Pinterest for a while, but I think it's just Baron Henley all run together as my Pinterest page. But I make a tremendous number of recipes. I don't like repeating stuff unless it's just absolutely friggin' amazing. And so I usually make four to five new recipes a week. Wow. And only one or two a week are like, oh, those that was good. So those are the ones I post. So they're kind of already tested, kitchen tested, if you, if you go to my page. I love that. If you've been listening and you're like, wow, this word stuff, there's a lot more to it than I realized. I need to learn more or my staff needs to learn more. We have good news because the fine brains at Affinity have put together some training manuals and courses, and we are putting those onto the Lawyerist website for our community. So it'll be an easy, accessible way. Like I will tell everybody right now, I had to use our manual for how to set up office. It was super easy. I just followed it and there's their screenshots. And, and I was like, oh, how did I not know this stuff years ago? So I, in my opinion... Even default settings. Yeah. It's yeah. like, you know, like there's a whole... We have 12 pages in our manual on how to fix Word's default programmatical settings, not even having anything to do with formatting. Just how Word does its job is quite maddening and can be significantly upgraded and improved just by tweaking its settings. So we offer pre-recorded content. We have a ton of that. But we also offer live custom training where, I mean, the big benefits are you can obviously ask questions and it can be customized for whatever practice area or types of documents your office uses, which, I mean, sometimes like you take a pre-recorded thing, let's say you're a litigator and they're using state planning documents as, as samples. You're like, this could not be less relevant to my world because those aren't the kind of documents I draft and pleadings present a whole different set of issues. So if you want custom and can, your documents can even be incorporated into it, we do that all day and they can be delivered on site or they can be delivered remotely. And if they're delivered remotely, which is particularly attractive today, not only because it costs a little bit less, but you can chop up a long class into little pieces and spread it over multiple days and they get the recordings afterward anyway. So yeah. even if they sign up for live training, we record every single one. They get the videos back and they can use those for new employees, refresh training or whatever. So they're kind of armed for the future after they go through it once. Yeah, I love it. And I'll give one last plug, which is that now that we're teammates, these fine folks are coming into Lawyer's Lab and have already done some workshops. And we've already made some of these trainings part of our lab offering and I can already tell you the Labsters, it's raving reviews, it's helping them. And so this is just the start of some of the benefits of this great merger that we made happen this year. So I'm super excited. Baron, thanks for being with me today. We always learn so much when I hang out with you and we will definitely have you back on. Thank you. The Lawyerist Podcast is edited by Brittany Felix. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? 
Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10 minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you.